Hey, coming up today on the show, we're going to talk with Troy Redstone about repurposement, experiencing the financial freedom to start living on purpose today. Ready? Let's go. You know how you sometimes feel stuck? Like you're drifting through life, going through the motions? You know you were created for something more, that an average life just isn't enough for you. Then you're in the right place. Find your purpose. Live your passion. Let's go. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And I would love for you to share it with others. Like us, subscribe to it. It's everywhere you can hear podcasts. And check out my webpage, gregorybnap.com. The link is in the show notes there, gregorybnap.com. And you can get my free ebook, Five Steps to Finding Your Passionate Purpose. I'm joined now by Troy Redstone. Now, he is a certified plan fiduciary advisor. He's also the author of two books. We're going to talk about both of them today. The first one is Repurposement. It's experiencing the financial freedom to start living on purpose today. And the second one is 401k architecture. They're both available right now at Amazon. You can also learn more about uh, Troy on LinkedIn. Just search for, search for his name at Repurposement on Twitter and fee-only-401kadvisor.com. Now, all that's going to be in the show notes, so you don't have to remember all that. Look down in the show notes. I've got it all written in there for you. Troy, how you doing? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on. I would like to just kind of throw out an offer to your listeners. Sure. Um, the first 50 listeners uh, that will go to the website and visit the 401k architecture location there and leave a review um, we'd be happy to send them a free copy of Repurposement. Everybody should read Repurposement. Everybody and your kids should read Repurposement. Your owners should read 401k Architecture. I appreciate it. I want to start with your story. We're going to get into the money thing and all that, but how did you discover your why? That's a great question. That's a great place to start. We, we talk about this all the time, right? I mean, if you're trying to prepare for the future and save money and all that, you got to have your why because there's demands for every single dollar. If you don't know why you're putting money towards the future and why you're being a good steward, something's going to, something else is going to demand that money. <laughs> so uh, my, my why, well, uh, gee, where do I start? Um, uh, my, my journey is probably a little bit different than some. I mean, my background originally is behavioral psychology. So I've always been fascinated with kind of why people do the stuff they do. And it has really kind of morphed into more behavioral finance, which is kind of like why people do the stuff they do with money, which isn't mm. by and large, really smart stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's true. In fact, it's kind of oftentimes some pretty dumb stuff. I mean, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll quote Dave because um, it's kind of a mean thing to say, but I think it's true. Dave says, when your money comes out, your stupid comes out. But Dave Ramsey is like, you just got to watch the stupid when your money's involved. But what is true is your emotions get involved. Anytime money's involved, your emotions get involved. So I just, I'm just fascinated with why people do the stuff they do with money. So so yeah, my background is behavioral psychology. Um, actually, spent a number of years in the ministry. As I was on staff with Campus Crusade, um, worked in the local church for a period of time. Um, it's just a, it's a longer story, but you know, made a transition towards really trying to help people figure out how to steward their resources and and kind of get a grip on you know preparing for their loved ones and things like that. And and went down this path of working in in what is traditionally called the 401k, but I mean, that involves all types of corporate retirement plans, like 403bs and things like that. So sure. When, when you said, you know, you're 
you just feel like your purpose is to help people with their money. Was there was there some things that happened in your life or you saw people close to you that you were just like, or did something happen where you helped somebody and you're like, wow, this is why I'm here? I mean, how did you get out of all the things you could do to help people? How, how did it end up with this? Uh, well, it's a good question. I, uh, I've experienced that idea that, you know, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, that certainly used to be my, be my story. And I know the financial stress um, I mean, obviously when I was involved in, um, you know, ministry, I wasn't making a ton of money, but I know that financial stress of just trying to make ends meet. And, and, and then as, as a guy, and I, maybe everyone feels this, but as a guy, you know, you feel this pressure to try to provide for your family and it's, it's an incredibly stressful and it's, it's, there's a, there's an incredible burden and, and yeah, your emotions get involved and everything like that. So I, I wasn't raised around, um, what I would say was a great deal of maybe, um, financial acumen. It wasn't like, it wasn't like this was talked about around the, uh, around the table growing up. Um, my dad or my dad was very, very much blue collar. Um, literally he, he delivered mail. He wore a blue uniform and he was blue collar and, and somehow, you know, there was provisions were there, you know, as a kid, you don't think about it as a kid, you don't think about, whether you've got enough or what, but I can look back now and certainly understand the financial pressures that my parents probably felt at times. And um, I was the first in my family actually to go to college. Uh, my parents had not gone to college. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I have experienced that financial stress myself and, um, and then getting involved in trying to help employees in some of these companies and they're, they're overwhelmed and, almost intimidated. I don't know why, but when you start talking about money, they're, they're, they feel like we all, everyone has, well, hopefully everyone has money. Open up your wallet. You've got, you've got a couple of bills in your wallet. And so you've got possession of this. And so you feel like you ought to know more about it. And so that maybe there's some shame involved. Like you feel like you ought to be smarter about it. Um, yeah, I definitely want to get into the mindset of people on money in just a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to just kind of drill down into, your how you got to this purpose because you've been through a lot of behavioral psychology ministry you've got the background of not having a lot of money how does that flip into okay i'm going to get into money as my main thing and then help other people with it there had to be some kind of a story there how'd that happen well i mean i think that you understand um that it really is less about um you know, the investment piece and, and things like that. I, I, I think that, I think traditionally we've made money too complicated. And so for me, when I got involved, it was, um, uh, you know, talking to real people about money, not with a sales pitch. I mean, most people, if they don't learn about money growing up. No, no, but I'm saying what, what, what I'm trying to get at is, okay, you're, you're in the ministry, you have this background, what led you to say, I'm going to jump into this. I'm going to become a cer certified plan fiduciary advisor. And this is how, this is how I'm going to help people. Yeah. What, 
what brought you into that? That's what I'm trying to get to. Well, and it was, and it, and I guess I'm saying it was a process. I, I certainly didn't make a decision when I was in ministry to be a certified plan fiduciary advisor. I didn't even know what that was at the time. Right. Um, what what I, what I did do? My wife was actually involved in uh, the financial industry. My wife was involved in, um, uh, you know, she was working for an investment company, and, um, and and she said, you know, I think you have a gift for explaining really complicated things in fairly simplistic ways. I think you could help people understand kind of how to just, you know, increase their contribution and how to prepare for the future and how to plan better. And so it, it really was a heart of trying to serve folks as, you know, just with a teacher's heart. And so it was kind of a transition for me because initially I was just involved in retirement education. I was not a certified plan fiduciary advisor. I was working for a huge company doing retirement education. And my job was to go out there and just explain, you know, why it's a big fat deal to prepare for the, for the future and why putting away 1% more could be really, um, uh, really substantial. And so I wasn't. See, th I love that, that you're saying that because there are so many different ways to find your purpose. And that's why I love hearing these stories because you couldn't just say, well, one day this happened, I hit rock bottom and I decided this and that was my purpose. And then, and that does happen for people. Or, you know, I was struck by lightning when I was six years old and said, this is what I want to do forever. And that happens to some people. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those people, unfortunately. I would have loved that to have happened to me. Or, yeah, Moses burning bush moment. I've never had something like that, right? And like you said, you so, you know, God's taking you through all these different paths in your life. You end up working for this retirement industry, and then your wife says a few things to you. And then next thing you know, you're moving down, and now you've got this purpose of helping people through employers have planning for their retirement future. So I just I just wanted to point out to people, there's no one way no. to find your purpose. And it doesn't mean that you're going to have the same purpose your entire life, and you never know what's going to change. And the point is not this one ultimate purpose that that you know is the one 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 thing for you right it's that that you you keep you keep trying things and moving forward and then you start to either feel that this is what you're supposed to do or it's not what you're supposed to do and then you either keep doing it or you move on to the next thing and that's okay so i love the fact that that it, it was a evolution for you it wasn't well, just the overnight thing. It me. was very, it was very much a process. And I think, I, I, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, and maybe, maybe it says I'm a little bit slow. I, I probably would have told you in my first, second, third, fourth year in this industry um, that, Hey, I'd been involved in planting this church or I was involved in this ministry and now I'm doing this. And, and, you know, God will probably have me doing this other ministry thing at some point. I probably would have told you, that it was a transitional thing. I probably would have told you that it was a something like a gap kind of a thing. I, I, I probably mm -hmm. would have. I probably would have even told you if you had talked to me during those first couple of years. Yeah, I used to be in ministry. So here's the here's the slow guy kind of cluing in late. Um, somewhere around the fifth or sixth year, I began to realize this is ministry. Amen. I was and about I, to say you are still in ministry. Well, it took it's just me a, a while different to, type of ministry, it right? Me, it did, did take me a while to realize that I had worked with with Dave Ramsey and their team um, back when I was involved in local ministry. I was at a, uh, one of the largest churches in, in the Indianapolis area. And when when Dave would come through and speak and such, he would speak at our church. And I had some interaction with him. But you might be familiar with this thing called Financial Peace University. 
Absolutely. Uh, so Dave's team kind of began putting this this new program together called Smart Dollar. And Smart Dollar is essentially almost kind of the corporate version of Financial Peace University. Financial Peace University, those of us in the industry kind of call it the church class. And it works really well for those that go to church and go to class. <laughs> I think Dave realized um, there's a whole lot of people that won't darken the doors of a church and they still need help with money. So he was developing this thing called Smart Dollar around about the time that I was transitioning to this new industry. And so anyway, we just kind of collided again and, and it really dovetailed nicely with what we were doing because we didn't just want to help people put more money in their 401k, but we wanted to help them reach the finish line and not be up to their eyeballs in debt when they did so. So it's really more of a holistic approach. And just just all of those dots began connecting at some point for me. And I and I realized, oh, wow, this isn't transitional. It's it's my new calling. And hey, this is still ministry, but it That's was great. It was a process. Yeah, I love it. So a couple of things I wanted to hit there is um, obviously both Troy and I are Christian. If you're not Christian, um, no problem. This podcast is still going to help you big time. And ministry for Troy and, and, and me might be a little bit different from you, but if you're not Christian, you still have a ministry to help people if you want to. And there are many ways you can do it. And you, and, and, you know, if you are Christian, you're like, I, I don't do ministry. I, I work at a bank or I work at wherever. Well, of course you do, and how you relate to people, how you love on people, but also, you know, churches and charities, things that you that you find valuable to help other people cannot survive unless there are people working in the private sector who are donating to them. So that's part of what you're doing too, and that's part of the purpose of your money that I'm sure we'll get into is what are you going to do with the extra or, you know... And, we we would say in in the Christian world that's the first thing you do, but for many other people it's the leftover. But but what are you going to do beyond taking care of yourself? That's going to make a difference in the world that actually really makes you feel awesome too. That makes you feel bigger than part of something bigger than yourself. So all of that I think is awesome. Um, let, let's let's get into the first book that's called Repurposement. And it's experiencing the financial freedom to start living on purpose today. And the very first chapter is clarifying the why. Um, and and so let's go through that three common. We'll get to the three common mistakes with retirement savings in that chapter. But when you talk about start living on purpose today, the purpose I'm thinking the purpose of my money. What was the purpose of my money to retire? Uh, kind of clue us in on clarifying the why, Troy. Well, yeah, and and I should even back up and tell you a little bit more about repurposement. Um, that's oftentimes the first question people ask is, what is, what is repurposement? Well, um, so imagine you've been called to this new industry, you've got this new calling, you've got this new vision, and and you're in this thing called retirement, the retirement industry, and and then you realize you're not even really sure if you believe in retirement. <laughs> Re mm -hmm. retire is like a military term about kind of fall back so you fall back you retire you regress um retire is an awful thing i don't know that god ever calls us to retire so much as this idea of being repurposed you know i mean you reach mm -hmm. an age of 50 55 60 65 
you've got so much experience. You've got your, you're rich, not just in money, but in experience and such and wisdom and, 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 and time perhaps, perhaps you're now you're going to be rich in time if you're not punching a clock somewhere else. So what do you do with all that talent? You, what do you, you, what do you want to do with the second, second half of your life kind of a thing? So, so we like to try to, we're trying to reframe the conversation from retirement to repurposement. That is so good because I, I mean, if you look at the research, there are so many studies that show people losing their life almost when they retire. Absolutely. Some of them do. They'll die within a couple of years of retirement because their whole life was their job, which yeah, is also true. sad. That's a whole other thing to look at that you, you are not your job. But some people <laughs> identify with it so much that they really do become their job. But then do you just want to sit on a rocker or play golf or watch TV? Even if you travel, that's great. I think all those things can be great if that's all you do and you feel like that's your purpose in life, it, it can get very depressing very quickly Absolutely. because we're we're made to do something special, right? I mean, we need to feel like we matter. We need to feel like we count all the days of our lives. And you notice, you go to an old folks home, the people who are doing well, they're still doing stuff. The people who aren't, they feel like well, my day's over. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and, and I, was I was inspired initially, um, probably 2013, 2012 is when we started writing the first book, um, right as I was launching my firm. And um, I, I, I was inspired in a bad way, I guess, by, by a study that I saw that showed the number one activity of most retirees was watching TV. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So Greg, if our, if our vision of the future is about as inspiring as like a remote control and a lazy boy, that explains why we have a retirement issue in this country is why would you save for that? And what's, what's, you know, there's nothing to look forward to if that's your idea of what the future might look like. And, and I will tell you, and, and this was kind of a weird blessing during the pandemic, right? Is, is, you know, people say, oh, sometimes work is hard and sometimes it'd be great not to punch the clock. And sometimes it'd be great to just, you know, not do anything and, you know, not doing anything, just sitting at home doing nothing, just doing nothing, but like sleeping in as late as you want to and watching Netflix and all that. It sounded like fun for a while. And then we learned during the pandemic, no uh, mental illness, people going absolutely batty because we find our purpose in what we do. Um, and you even referenced earlier this idea of, you know, it's kind of sad if, if, if your, your purpose is so wrapped up in what you do. I, I would push back and say, um, actually, even if you run that through a kind of a theological framework, I think that we were created to create. I think there's something in us that wants to create and build and leave a legacy. And, and so this thing, this idea of higher purpose is having some reason to get up in the morning. Um, and yes, you're dead right. People who retire early, the studies show they sometimes don't live as long unless they actually transition to something else that they find purpose. in. now, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you stop punching the clock, so that you can volunteer more at your church or get involved in local politics or get involved in your community, or maybe you, maybe you still do something and they give you some money, but it's now it's a, it's a want to job, not a have to job. That's different. Yeah. Here, yeah and I, I think, let, let me explain what, what I was saying, because I agree with you. We are definitely 
designed in the image of our creator. So we're supposed to create. And the first thing God gave Adam was a job. So I do think, you know, take care of the garden, right? So I do think jobs are extremely important. The problem becomes when you think you are your job, because then if you get fired, what, what, who are you? If something goes wrong at your job, who are you? You know, you're a failure now. No, no, no. You are more than your job, but you are created to work and create. So if you lose that job or you retire from that job, then you have to, exactly what you're saying, find the next thing. What is the, because I'm not, just because I was a banker for 50 years doesn't mean I am a banker. Right. It means that's what I did. Right. Now, what am I going to do? Because who I am, you know, as I say, you and I are Christians, so I'm a child of God. And then what I'm going to do is to glorify him. If you're not a Christian, you would still say, who am I? I, I, I am a lot more than just what I do at a job. I am a father or a mother or a husband or a wife or a, or a, a brother or a sister, or I'm somebody that helps the poor. I'm somebody that does whatever. I'm a water skier. But you have to have things that you do because we are active beings, right? We can't just just sit around. That, that sleeping in, sitting around watching TV is great for about a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most people that have intelligence, and I don't mean that as, a, as an insult, but I mean most people who who truly have some kind of intelligence, which is basically entire the entire human race, uh, will get bored with that fairly quickly and oh, then sure. start, to beco- start to become depressed. Right. And, and I think that's half the reason people don't realize they're depressed, because they're numbed by the yeah. opiate of the masses, which is TV and some of these other things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think you've got to have something, and it, but it doesn't have to be a nine-to-five job, but it needs to be that thing that is driving you that gets you excited to get out of bed every day. And the cool thing about being retired is you don't have to do it every day, right? So, and you don't have to be there at exactly the same time. So you can plan out, all right, I'm going to travel here. I'm going to do these fun things here. But on this day, I'm going to go and work for this group. And this day I'm going to do that or however you want to do it. Or maybe you do start an entire new business. Who knows? And I guess that's what your repurposement is talking about, right? Well, right. And it's not a have to, it's a get to, it's a, it's a, mm-hmm. Hey, I get to get up in the morning and I, and I get to do this, but our goal is to help people to be financially able to be repurposed as soon as they sense what that call is, you know? And, and as, as my own story is, uh, is a, um, is a tribute to, I guess, I mean, the, the, the call changes. I mean, your, you know, your, your journey is, is sometimes, um, uh, kind of crazy, you know, you look back, it's not a straight line, but as soon as you began to kind of sense what you're being called to do, I want people to be able to be financially able to do what they're being called to do, as opposed to, I got to keep punching this clock. Well, sometimes people have to keep doing this or doing that punching clocks or whatever, because they're not in they're they, they don't, they're not in ownership of their own destiny. Like if, if a quarter or more of their income is going right out the door to consumer debt, if they're up to their eyeballs in debt, if they're, if they're, you know, credit cards or they're out over their skis in terms of what, how much house they bought or all kinds of stuff like that. Those kind of decisions put you in a place where you're beholden to someone else. You become right. enslaved to someone else. You're no longer in control which is really sad. And so gaining financial freedom to be repurposed once you understand what that purpose is. Amen. I love that. Uh, So let's talk about those three common mistakes with retirement savings. 
Well, I, you know, I think the biggest one is just not knowing the why. I mean, um, you know, the, fir the first one I think I write about in the book is not starting with the end in mind or the goal in mind, but it holistically, it's just not knowing your why. And, and, and that's the first thing you got to get straight. And, and I think I referenced it earlier is, is if you don't know your why, there's so many other demands for every single dollar. So you got to know why you're doing what you're doing. I, I would probably say that that might correspond to anything in life. You have to know. Yeah, because how if 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 you've got to make the choice of doing something fun right now or buying something cool right now or putting some of that aside for later, you better have a very good reason for the later or you're not going to do it. Yeah, delayed right? gratification is not something that comes as part of our hard wiring. <laughs> mm -mm. So. No, no, no. And and I love um uh, <laughs> my pastor has this thing where he talks about he calls it the cul-de-sac of stupidity that we're, that we're on. And we are talking about stupid money is because what do we do? We, we, for some reason, we tend to think if we can buy stuff right now, it's going to fill that, that hole in our heart that we're talking about that comes from purpose and comes from, uh, you know, for us, Jesus. But it's the idea of you ever go in, you, you know, you go into the, let's say you go in to buy some clothes, right? You go into the store, you pick out these clothes that you think are awesome. You get into the, changing room. You look at yourself and you think, man, I look awesome in these clothes. And so you spend the $100, $200, whatever it is. Six months later, you come back in the exact same clothes to buy new clothes and you throw away those clothes that six months ago you said were the most awesome clothes you ever saw before. Right? And we right. do that every couple of months. We're like, oh, these clothes are horrible. Why? I can't <laughs> believe I ever bought these clothes. Throw these away. I got to get the new clothes. Yeah. And we don't just do it with clothes. We do it with cars. We do it with houses. We do it with everything because we think that next one's going to, you know, if I just get that house, that new house is going to make me feel complete. And then you get it and it's great for a couple of months. Then you're like, that's just my house. Yeah. And then you got to get something better and a bigger one. Because, and we keep doing it thinking somehow it's going to change. It's like, I think it was Einstein, right, that said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And yet we keep doing it. And so I couldn't agree with you more. We got to say, okay, wait, there's more than this. This is not keeping up with the Joneses time. Um, there's better use of our money. Here's why we're saving it. And it better be a pretty good reason. So... You know, I can think of a lot of reasons that I'm sure people give you, right? Um, like you said, not having to work, choosing to work. That's nice. Not being in debt to anybody is awesome. Um, being able to travel and see things all around the world that you've always wanted to see. That These are things that are all big whys for me. Mm -hmm. um, well, it, and it goes deeper than that, really. I, I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not necessarily use... Um, Dave Ramsey terminology, but he has a program called Financial Peace University. And I don't know that it doesn't come down to that thing called financial peace. I mean, there's a, absolutely there, there should, it's beyond words. I mean, there is a weight lifted off of you. Like I was talking to someone the other day about their debt and they said, yeah, I mean, I've got a little bit of debt, but you know, I've got some money here in savings. So I don't really feel like it's debt because I could pay it off. And, and I was like, why not? Well, you know, it's not really high interest. And I'm like, just get rid of it. They did. And afterwards, what they communicated was like a, like a weight lifted off of me. The idea that you're not enslaved to any creditors or to anyone else. And so there is a, and I love the way you're using that. I, I like how you use that term slave too, because 
you are, right? I mean, because you are working absolutely for them now. Yep. They're not your boss, yep, but, but they, they get your money. So yeah. you're working and giving them their money over and over and over again in interest payments. You, you are. You're a slave to them yep. to a degree uh, because of what you are tied to until that debt's paid off. Sure. Well, and you and we were just talking about the whole have to versus the get to, and it kind of bleeds into that second um, big mistake that people make, and that's just underest, un, underestimating, I guess, what what small deposits can make really for the future. Um, there's a number of different things to say about that, but just like in behavioral psychology, we talk about this idea of a present bias and just overweighting the present as opposed to kind of future ramifications. So, I mean, this idea that you can kind of work for half of your life and then not work for half of your life, I mean, how does that, how does that math work? And I, simplistically, I've got really two solutions for you. One is the 50-50 plan. I'll run this by you. No one else has liked it, but maybe you will, Greg. The 50-50 plan says for every dollar you earn, you, you, you spend 50 cents and you save 50 cents. That way you can work half your life and not work half your life. How does that sound? Would you like to save 50% of your income? Yeah, let's, let's do that. And then I won't be able to buy anything, but it sounds like a great plan. Well, there's a better plan. If your company sponsors a, a retirement plan, you have the ability to put away 10 or 15% towards the future. And because it's properly invested, many times it's matched by your employer, that 10 or 15% grows over time to equal the 90%. So, so when, when I'm talking to someone, let's say we're talking about your own personal savings and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm putting away 5% towards every, from every paycheck towards my future. And I'm like, well, okay. So you're living at 95%. I said, you ought to really bump that up to about 10 or 12. I mean, five is probably not going to be enough to replace your current lifestyle in retirement. If you're only saving five or 6%, you're going to have a, you're going to have a lifestyle adjustment when you get towards the second chapter. So you're going to have to save more than that. And you say, I don't know if I can save as much as 10. And I, I would say, well, there's the 50, 50 plan. I mean, I, I I've got a pretty good solution <laughs> right. for you. You get to live on 90% of what you make right now. And you get to live like those, the last several decades, the second chapter, you get to live on only 10 or 12% of what you're making now. I mean, if I think if we understood that that was the trade-off, it's not the 50-50 plan. It's a very small portion of what you're making now. And it grows over time to equal the larger portion that you're making now. So there's not this huge adjustment in lifestyle. It's actually kind of pretty cool and pretty brilliant if we understand it like that it, yeah it allows you to step into to greater freedom especially if you're young like i always trying to tell my daughters right now man if you can just start now it's so much easier than trying to make up for it late in life and and it's really hard when you get too late in life but um the idea of you know we're kind of like goldfish you know the old story that Whatever size bowl you put the goldfish in is how big the goldfish will grow. Well, right. That's and so, so a lot of people do that with their money, right? No matter no matter how much they make, their spending expands to the amount they make. And then they say, I can't put anything away. Five years ago they were living on eighty percent of that and it was fine. Yeah. But now they've got twenty percent more and they can't save anything because now they've expanded their spending. So I always say to my daughters, look, when you get a raise at work. Increase your spending by 5% and put the other 95% in savings, right? Because you won't notice it. You won't miss it because you've been living 
on less than that. Yeah. You gave yourself a five, 5% extra out of that raise, but the rest of it we're putting away. You never notice it. And man, that's how you can really start doing something. Yeah. It's like, it's like this hedonistic cycle of just more and more and more and more and more. And, and you, and you hit the nail on the head when this, when you say, you know, we raise how much we spend. That's the reason why we're seeing 78% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. It's not because 78% are living below the poverty level and they're not earning enough. It's because as they earn more and more and more, they spent more and more and more. Right. So they earn a little it's, bit. It's very tempting, isn't it? It's very, yeah. it's just, I mean, look, there's a reason that we have Madison Avenue spending billions of dollars every year trying to get us to buy everything. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard to resist it when it's all out there in front of you. You know, you got to really have a plan. And that's why you said you got to have that why. If you, if because you if, have, if you, you don't have that, you're going to be in trouble. Well, you got to have a plan and, and you've got to, you've got to like make a decision in the light of day that you're going to adhere to by the darkness of, of, of night. So it's like you're in, mm. in, when you're, when you're in, when you're being sane and you're looking ahead and you're saying, I'm going to get like a three or 4% increase cost of living adjustment, whatever, a 4% increase. I'm living fine now on this. If I get a 4% increase, maybe I ought to put 2% into my retirement for the future and live on just a 2% increase. That kind of a right. thought exactly of right. not just increasing how much you're spending because you're increasing how much you're making because, because then there, there's no margin. Like if, 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 if your spending follows right behind your, 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 uh, your earnings, you, you never have that margin. You never have the ability to breathe that financial peace is never there it's always just one step ahead and then you live with this crazy idea of you know you just continue to move in the goalpost like you you never get there you always feel like you well, do that next and, race and i like what you said about the decision and the plan right so when you're calm when you're there sitting down with your spouse and you're planning out your future and you're saying this is what we're going to do it's much easier to stick to it than having to redecide every time. Well, should we buy that new car? Should we buy that new house? Should we buy this thing over here? Should we go on this vacation? Right. Well, if you have a plan, then you can say, well, does it fit the plan? Right. Because otherwise you're having to redecide all the time. And after a while, we get tired of making those decisions and we start saying, I deserve it. And yeah, I'm going to do this. And, and the next thing you know, the plan's out the window because you never really had a plan to begin with. So that that's real good stuff. L let me ask you um, about this. You, you have... Oh, I'm sorry. Before I get to the last question I was going to ask on that, um, the other part of the why that I think some people instantly gravitate to this idea. Some people, I think, have to learn it the hard way, like we said with the circle of stupidity, <laughs> is that the why has to also include more than just you, hmm. right? And, and it's so counterintuitive because you think, well, I worked hard for this money. I saved for this money all my life. I want to spend all this money on me. But most people you talk to after they do that for a while start to feel like there's more. Uh -huh. And so I don't know what you have in your repurposement on the idea of, okay, uh, yeah, I've given to charity all my life, or maybe many people haven't. How am I going to use this money, not just for me and not just for my family, but really for other things that I believe in to help other people? Um, to me, that's a big part of the why that would make me feel like it's worth it to save this. Well, sure. And it's it ultimately it comes down to the ability to be um, in control of your own money, I think. Um, so I, I don't know what it is for you, but let's say, for instance, um, uh, Parkinson's disease is something that's hugely personal to you. You lost a family member. It means a lot to you. And it's very bothersome to you that people are struggling with this thing called Parkinson's disease. 
and and it's it seems to be largely without without solutions and it's troubling and someone comes to you and they're raising money for parkinson's research or they're doing something that's try to that's going to help stop parkinson's disease and you believe in this and you don't have any any potential margin in your budget to give towards this thing that you really believe in i mean Absolutely. that would I make that. that would make me angry that that i'm yeah. i'm not able to donate or give to this thing that i really really believe in because um my credit card companies tell me i can't because my mortgage company tell me tells me i can't um yeah. I, because you're not in control so that's financial freedom is getting to the place where you get to do what you want to with your own money Exactly. And man, how much, and if you've never done that, been able to say, yeah, here, take this thousand, take this 5,000, take this 10,000, depending on how wealthy you've become, I would love to be able to do that. I mean, the, there's all kinds of research that shows, you know, when people say money can't buy happiness, well, it's partially true. The research shows it can to some degree. The first way it can buy happiness is you're you're much happier when you're not worrying about being able to buy enough food to eat and feed your family. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Sure, you got to get over the subsistence level. That makes you happier, right? But then they say, uh, you, if you spend money on experiences, that does make you happier mm-hmm. compared to things. Mm-hmm. And and if you can buy things for other people, it makes you happier. Mm-hmm. So even something as small as picking up the tab when you and your buddy go out for lunch. They've shown statistically it makes that person happier that he was able to do that. So if you can get to the point in your life, and especially in your retirement, where you could take your buddies out, you could be at a restaurant and you could see a single mom with three kids and say, hey, I'm just going to pick up her tab. Mm. Right? That's awesome. Just little things like that. And then, as you mentioned, for the things you really care about, to be able to bless a, a charity or... Maybe you're really into helping foster kids or what, whatever it is, the animals, whatever it is that is your thing to be able to say, yeah, I was able to save enough money. I can just boom, drop this and not even think about it twice and just feel great about it because I helped somebody. That's pretty cool. Well, and then the framework in repurposement is we want to help you build wealth so that you can have that kind of freedom so that you can build, make those kind of decisions and things like that. And I don't think that the roadmap to building wealth is that complicated. But somehow we've made it really, really complicated, and and I would say it starts with something really easy. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just pitch it out to you. You may have already seen this in the book, so you may know the answer. But I will tell you, the majority of people don't know the answer. Um, if it comes down to how much you save or where you save, like where you where in the uh, in the 401k, for instance, we're speaking of your corporate retirement plan. If it comes down to like. Um, uh, you know, where you're investing or say how much you're putting into the 401k, which do you think makes a bigger impact on your long-term retirement savings and the wealth that you build? It's either which, which part of the plan I pick or what's my other choice? Well, how much or where, how much or what? Oh, how much? Yeah. What do you think makes a bigger difference? I think it's counterintuitive. So I'm going to go with the where. I will tell you it's, it's not even close. And I will tell you, most people say where, and I will tell you a lot of people that are even on my side of the table as advisors or consultants will lead with the where, because we've all been through these finance classes and we think that we're all investment experts and that's our differentiator. And I just got to tell you, 
it's really not the it's not the where. Uh, there was a study done, um, I think, I believe the original study that was done was the American Society of Pension Professionals and Actuaries. So that's the really smart people, right? The actuaries, they crunched the numbers, they looked at lots and lots of data. This, the results were so surprising, though, that it's been it's been replicated by the Empower Institute, it's been replicated by a number of different 401k providers like Fidelity and Vanguard. But the original study asked the question, which which matters more like whether i use fund a or fund b that's a question of where like like mm-hmm. which fund right. right where and 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 they determined that that the fund you pick is about two percent of the long-term impact so you're laboring over should i pick this fidelity fund or this vanguard fund or or this goldman sachs fund and i'm telling you I'm not saying you shouldn't you shouldn't make a good decision, but but let me take a little bit of pressure off. That's only two percent of the impact. Right. Don't let the the good be the enemy of the, the great investments. Here, right. Where we just say the good the the best thing to do is start investing. Well, sure. And then the good thing is to pick a good one. But if you narrow it down to two or three good ones, you're probably going to be pretty good picking any of those three. Is what you're saying? Well, what I'm what I'm saying is that the investment itself, the investment you select is a very small portion of the equation when it comes to long-term success, especially over a long, 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 long period of time. Right. So, You're saying the bigger part is how much money you put in? Exactly. So, right, right. so, so just pick something good and start putting the money so, in. So let's say we settle on that Fidelity fund for lack of a better right. option or whatever. Um, if you put half of your money into that Fidelity fund and then diversify the rest of it, and I only put 10% of my money in that Fidelity fund and diversify the other 90%, you and I could have completely different returns over time based on how we diversify it. That's about 20% of the factor. So the fund you gotcha. pick, and how you diversify it is collectively 22% of the factor. That leaves 78% for how much? How much and is over? What about the part about how soon? Because it seems like, because I, I know I've seen these studies where the guy puts in at age 20 for 10 years, not all that much really, relatively speaking, to a guy that started 10 years later. And it's really hard for that guy to catch up. He's got to put in a lot more money. Sure. Uh, well, I, you know, I'll back up and answer the question differently. Um, uh, if there's, if there's four things that we're looking at, um, and I'll just go ahead and to give them to you in the order of importance. The first is why you have to know why you're doing it. The why is the most important. The second most important is when, when you start is absolutely right. key. Um, I've yet to figure out a way to throw people into a time machine and run them back to an earlier age. So I don't, so I don't harp too much on the whole when, unless I'm right. talking to a group of employees that are really young and those young 20 and 30 year olds, I say, oh, please waiting even 10 years to get this started is going to be a very, very expensive decision. So why first, when second, and that leaves how much and where, and everybody mm-hmm. focuses on the where. And I, I when mm-hmm. we're talking to employees in a 401k and they say, I'm invested in fund XYZ. I'm thinking about moving over to fund ABC. I, I read the Wall Street Journal once. My mailman's cousin told me to do this or that. I said, I'm just going to say, stop, 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 stop. You're talking about where. How much are you even putting in the plan? And they're like, 3%. And I'm like, that's not enough. <laughs> the how right. much is what's going to make a difference, not whether you go from fund XYZ to ABC. Don't get hung up on the where. A lot of times we think if we double the amount of risk and we do uh, twice as much risk, we're going to get a better return. Actually, if you double the amount you put in, that's what's really going to make a bigger difference. 
So being gotcha. on this path of going from three to four, four to five, trying to get up to 10 to 12, putting a little bit more over time so that you're actually saving enough. Here's, here's the best way I know how to explain it, Greg. If you've got a really, really fancy like sports car in the driveway, how fast or how far do you think that sucker is going to go if you don't put any gas in the tank? You got to put enough money in the plan. You know, where, right. you know where a lot of people, there's so many mistakes. One mistake is not participating, but another mistake that a lot of people make is they put in 5% because that's what the company matches. The company matches five, so they put in five. And I say, well, okay, I'm, I'm glad you're getting the match, but your five will probably not be enough to replace your current income in retirement. What if you put in 10? Well, the company's only going to give me five. No, they're going to match the first five you put in, but you can put all the way up to $20,000. I mean, you're only limited by the IRS by dollar amount. So this year it's 19,500. It's going to jump up next year. And that's if you're under age 50. So there's an additional amount you can put in as a catch up if you're over age 50. But, you know, I've actually had people, really smart people, look at me and say, oh, I'm maxing out the 401k. I'm like, that's great. And then I look and I'm like, you're nowhere near $20,000. Well, I'm doing the 5%. That's not maxing. (laughs) That's just getting the match. That's like the bare minimum of what you ought to do. So I think what we're trying to do in the book, it repurposement is give people a reframing for their why, and then just break it down really, really simply in terms of how to build wealth. And you, you don't have to be an investment expert. You are not the chief investment officer, but you are the chief savings officer. Mm-hmm. And don't. Yeah. And I, I really like all that. It's great, great advice. And I love the title experience, you know, repurposement, experiencing the financial freedom to start living on purpose today. So you're living on purpose today and you're also preparing for your repurposement when you retire so that you actually have some things to do to, to keep your life going absolutely, and, and to keep yourself energized. Um, so that's awesome stuff. And um, we're almost out of time. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows about um, Troy's second book. The second book is 401k architecture. That one is focused much more on the employer. Um, if you want to just give a real quick synopsis of that one for everybody, that would be great, Troy. No, absolutely. Well, I will tell you when I originally started writing the book, I started writing a book and not realizing that I had two books. (laughs) I was writing a book and realized that there's a distinct message to the employee and a distinct message to the employer And so the easiest of the two to write was for the employee. And so we put together this book repurposement that was all the stuff we've been teaching people for years in our 401k company meetings about how to build wealth. So that's repurposement. The second book became 401k architecture, and that's really more for the business owner. Um, The subtitle is interesting. It's called Design a Retirement Plan that Serves Your Purpose and Your People. So what's really interesting, Greg, is that during the pandemic, we had, and I referenced this earlier with individuals, but even businesses had this ability to almost have like a little um, behavioral study and like, how do our businesses really work? Like the pandemic was crazy. Everything was turned upside down. And there are businesses that, that say they're purpose-driven and things like that. Well, we got a chance to put that to the test. And what I did was I started interviewing all of these business owners from all around the country, um, literally from all kinds of different states. They weren't just clients of ours. I would find groups that would be listed as top places to work, and we would begin having a conversation. And it was around the lines of, how are, how's everything going during the pandemic, and how are you guys surviving? 
I will tell you, those that survived didn't just survive, but they thrived when they took care of their people. When business owners were saying, in this place, our people are like family and love is one of our values and we're here to take care of our people. I had one, well, I had one company that said we were slow at work because of the pandemic, but what we did was we continued paying people and we told them that in exchange for that pay, they needed to go do some volunteer hours in the community. We were paying them to volunteer. That doesn't happen in a normal company. So these companies yeah. were companies that were taking care of their people and they were seeing tremendous results by balancing people and purpose and profit. So you don't have to, you don't have to like, you know, sacrifice your people for the sake of profits. I actually think by giving a little bit more to your people, they give a little bit more, particularly in difficult times. So 401k, 401k architecture, I hope is a, is an inspiring kind of a success manual for business owners to say, how can I be one of those type of good corporate citizen places where people are taken care of and we're, we're really making a difference in the world. We're not just building widgets and stuff like that. Um, well, more and more people who are working for companies want to work at a place like that. I think everybody does, but more and more are saying they do, especially the younger generations are. And if, so if you want the best people and you want to keep the best people, like you said, it's not only good for it's not only the good thing to do, it's the good thing to do for your business. So like you're helping people, they want to work for you. You make more money. It's, it's like a win, 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 you know? So right. yeah. And, and I think more and more companies are starting to, to notice that. In this hiring environment, I, I, I think you have to be able to provide adequate benefits. You have to be able to take care of people. You have to be, you have to be able to separate yourself and, 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 and taking, uh, taking this avenue with providing a, you know, good financial benefits like a 401k or even a financial wellness program is, 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 um, probably even a higher ROI. I mean, companies that say mm -hmm. we, we have, um, you know, we have free lunches or, or we have a gym or we have, you know, whatever. I mean, does that really translate into the ROI? Taking care of them financially means it lowers their financial stress. It sure. means they're, not, it means they're not living paycheck to paycheck. Um, it, it, there's so many different, um, uh, ways in which you actually get back. We estimate about $3 for every dollar spent on financial, employee benefits, whether it's 401k or financial wellness or 403b. So it's great stuff. Troy, we appreciate the time. It's Troy L. Redstone, certified plan fiduciary advisor and author of both repurposement and 401k architecture. Both are found at amazon.com. You can also go to feeonly401kadvisor.com. All of this is in the show notes. Check them out on LinkedIn and at Twitter at, at repurposement. Troy, we really appreciate your time today and I wish you all the best. <laughs> 